0: Oh, good morning, Friends Church. It's good to see you today. Uh, My name is Matt, and I'm the guy from the South. Yeah, I'm glad I get to be with you again this month. I really do look forward to sharing every time I come here. And uh, today, um, I'm a little nervous about today's message, if I'm honest with you, because I always try to push a little bit, particularly toward the place of freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. Yeah, we've been made free through Christ Jesus, and I really hope we treat other people like we're free. Amen? And so we're going to get into that today. So what if being all in, what if being all in actually begins with bread, wine, or grape juice, whichever one you prefer, (laughs) and a table? What if being all in begins with a meal and a table? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. It's this glorious happening when Pentecost happens and the power of God hits the church and the church explodes in this infancy. And today, we are a direct product of what happened in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses. We're going to look at verse 42 and 46, and then we're going to bounce back to Matthew in just a moment, okay? I am so sorry. I looked down at the reference monitor here, and I thought it said, Breaking Bad, and I'm like, I'm in the wrong sermon series. (laughs) Breaking Bread, thank you. I thought, what have I written for? Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day... Attending temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. See, these two verses really kind of give us a window, if you will, a glimpse into how the early church was formed and really how they remained faithful to the things of God. But this was really way more than just a meal or a prayer or a gathering. And I want you to really hear this statement This was a devotion to the ways of Jesus. Can you say ways of Jesus for me? It's a devotion to the ways of Jesus. When Jesus would say something like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we know theologically he meant, I am the way to the Father, right? But I think he's also given us a duality of meaning there that this is the way that you live your life. Do you see that? This is how you go about this thing called faith. So to gain a greater understanding, though, of what was happening in Acts 2 with the breaking of bread and this table and this whole scenario where they were meeting very, very often, either house to house or going to temple, I think we have to look back to get a real picture of what that looks like to the last time the breaking of bread took place, particularly in the life of Jesus. So let's go to Matthew chapter 26. We're gonna look at verses 26 through 29. And this is what we call the Last Supper. If you're new to church, maybe you've seen the painting of the the disciples and Jesus at a long, long table, which is a very bad representation. But we get the idea of what was happening there, right? Is that this Last Supper was happening and this is the last time that they would break bread together. Um, And Jesus gives us a great picture here. So let's start in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, I love that statement. (laughs) I mean, those just starting anything out with a great meal is a good way to get started. Amen. Right? Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take and eat. This is my body. What a bizarre statement. You know, we've heard it most of our lives we've been in church, but you've got to understand this is pretty bizarre for them to hear this. For I mean, if you've never been to church before today, you heard that. Weirdos, right? This is very bizarre. Well, this is, this is the radical things that Jesus would say to represent what was happening. He would say, this is my body. And he took the cup, and he, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you, for this is my blood. <laughs> We're over the line, dude. Right? This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many a forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, this is my perspective, right? I'm not trying to make it your perspective. I just want to share one thought about this. In my perspective, Jesus' greatest sermon was preached with a meal. Jesus could have chosen on the last night of his life, he could have chosen to raise the dead again to prove his divinity, divinity. He could have chosen to open deaf ears again and say, hear my words. He could have chosen to find someone's child who just passed away and raised that child back to life like he did with Jairus' daughter. Jesus could have walked on water again, called someone out of a boat again. Jesus could have done any number of things to prove his divinity. But instead, the last night of his life, he chose to have a meal with his broken friends. Y'all, this is church. That is church. Jesus gives us this illustration. He didn't use a ton of words, but it was more about his behavior and the company he kept. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm excited about that part. About the company he kept around this table, partnered with a few key statements that gives us this powerful picture. Jesus shows you and I what it really meant to be all in and here's my first statement for the day that I really want to hit hard. To be all in means to be invited to a table with all people. And you know what? When I was growing up and I would hear these Pentecostal, I grew up Pentecostal, if you can't tell them a little loud and dramatic. <laughs> Whatever that means. So we would hear them say this stupid statement every time, and now I say the same stupid statement. Here it is. I've looked up in the Greek what all means. And you know what it means? All. (laughs) I hate that I say it, but I can't help it. All means all. And we don't get to decide or define what all looks like just because it's different. To be all in means there is perpetual Invitation to communion and fellowship. So an invitation to communion and fellowship. And again, I don't just mean the bread and the wine, but of deep fellowship with people who are vastly different. And in fact, I said it like this for the notes. Invitation to communion and fellowship means gathering with people who are vastly different from you. Even today, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that gather in this room between two services, right? And how many in here honestly believe that the person sitting five rows away from you believes exactly the way you believe? Not a chance. Not one single chance. There are people that, this may shock you, there are people that attend church that don't even believe in Jesus the way you do. There are people that come to church that are still struggling as to whether or not you're actually going to give them a real Jesus. Let me rephrase you. We. I'm a part of that. Not you. We. We. There could be somebody sitting two chairs down from you that is agnostic or atheist and are waiting for you to mess up to give them ammunition to say, I told you. There are bitter Christians in here waiting on the same thing. We're all in different places, in different theological spaces. If we understood even within Christendom, The different views of the Trinity, it would blow our mind. The different views of salvation, the plan of. We can't even get together on some of those things. So trust me, not every person in here believes and thinks the same way. But that's actually a beautiful, wonderful thing. Because it was the same during the time of Jesus. Different religions, because the disciples sitting around that table, the disciples sitting around that table, if you study their backgrounds, if you study who they were, they had different religions. They were not all there to just simply say, we believe you're the savior of the world, at least not yet. They had different religions. They had different views of the same religion, whether they were both in Judaism or Gentiles. They would go, we just look at this differently. They were from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Some were rich, some were poor, some were middle class. And they even had a Bernie Madoff in the group. Judith Madoff with a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> If you're kin to Bernie, we love him. God bless you. Not trying to offend anybody. Right. Judas was an embezzler. And by the way, we understand that Jesus had foreknowledge of this guy, but still invited him to the party. Carlos Rodriguez says it like this: Yes, Jesus loved everyone, but he intentionally spent time with the least loved. He intentionally would call and gather people like this on purpose because they were the least loved. Matthew being called a tax collector was a curse word. If whatever you can imagine the worst curse word to be, don't do that in church. Um, Whatever you can imagine that to be, that's how they viewed Matthew. Peter in all of his, I mean, just really rough character, right? This is the same guy that would declare Jesus, but cut you and cuss you in a minute. I mean, to give you an example, if anybody ever watched the old show, The Deadliest Catch? Those are fishermen. That's Peter, right? These are the same guys that Jesus had sitting at a table. A Jewish nationalist, also known as a zealot, or in a more simple terms, For us, a politician. Then we have one more, I mean, politician, right? I mean, if you're a politician, we love you here, but this guy was not very good for the company. This particular politician was not a good one, but Jesus called him into it. Then we have one poor guy who doubts one time... and the rest of history, we know him as Doubting Thomas. Can you imagine being defined by one bad decision your whole life and then somebody write about it? But that speaks to the faith that even Jesus would have in people who were so broken. We even see later that Peter denies Jesus three times and I actually found in the scripture why he denied Jesus. By the way, it's found in Luke chapter 4. It's because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. I've been waiting to say that one for 3 weeks. To mother-in-laws everywhere, you are loved, you're beloved and I repent. My point is this. These men were not upstanding holy men. And church, I really want you to hear this part. And this may be for my real fervor religious people. And I, I don't know who you are, but it, this may be hard to hear. We have zero evidence that they ever got better. In fact, some of them got worse. Some of them left him. When Jesus would say in John chapter 6, if you do not drink my blood and eat my flesh, the Bible says, and many disciples left him that day. The beautiful part, Peter does come to him and say, and he goes, well, are you gonna leave me too? And Peter gives the greatest response ever. He said, where else are we gonna go? Because you are the one who has the words of life. Where else are we gonna go, man? But you might be thinking right now, but Matt, aren't we supposed to change? Absolutely. The gospel never calls anyone to complacency. But what I'm supposed to do and what really happens doesn't always align. Can somebody not leave me out there and say amen to that one? Y'all probably have it all together, but down in Nashville? (laughs) But this is why the table, the church, must remain wide, big, and open. So when people are ready, ready, when people are ready, then they can surrender to the ways of Jesus. But I have often become impatient and judgmental. And I have often communicated a message that said to other people, Yeah, the table was temporary. You took too long. And we just don't have room for your kind. I didn't mean to do it. But how many know it's almost like the person who loses a lot of weight and then they want to talk to you about your weight. And just because they had a big change, they think, You should have a big change. Amen, right? And it's like, listen, it was four weeks ago. You just started going to, I'm doing the clap, to the gym. Back up, right? And if it's that big in us over something like that, imagine how big it is in people when they're simply broken when they simply need somebody to say, come sit with me. Let me hold space for you. Let me give room for you here because I can tell you this much. The only people who remove chairs from the table are religious people. Jesus' followers provide space. Jesus' followers provide space. But we know that Removing space from the table is not the way of Jesus. And as Jesus followers, we can say to people, the table is big enough and it is open as long as it takes. So to be all in is an invitation to communion and fellowship. My next point would be something like this, and I didn't know how to honestly word this one. But the next point would be something like this. To be all in is really an invitation to reality. And here's what I mean by that. So I came into town on Thursday to do some work and my best friends live, uh, we've been friends, and he's been here several times with me before. You've heard me introduce him my friend Adam Drinkard. I stayed with them uh, on Thursday, well, the whole time that I'm here and I stay with him probably every time I come here now. And he goes, man, where are we going to dinner tonight? We've got some time, right? We've got some time to spend with each other. Me, him, and his beautiful wife, Brianne, we all head to Bukity Beppo's. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I wasn't speaking in tongues. That's actually a restaurant name, okay? So, so. I'm sorry. Oh, I need to just preach. So. We go to Buka De Bepo's and they take us into the kitchen area. Have you ever been there? It's a great time. There's actually a place you can go in and sit in the kitchen. There's a booth in the kitchen and you can watch them cook. And it was Brienne's birthday, so we guilted into letting us sit there. Right? It's her birthday, right? So we're in there and I don't, I don't, I don't know what I was doing. I started ordering food like I was paying the bill. Right? I mean, like they were paying the bill. Sorry. Because they ended up paying the bill. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I started, I want this and I want that. Right? And we started feasting on all this wonderful Italian food. There's lasagna and there's meatballs and there's cheese stick, lots of cheese, lots of cheese. There's fried cheese. There's, it's everywhere, right? And when we were done, it looked like a pack of dogs had gotten on this table and just shook breadcrumbs everywhere, right? (laughs) This was ridiculous, And it just made me remember. And I'm sorry, preachers make an illustration out of everything. We don't have much else. (laughs) But it just made me think, this is the table of the Lord. Why? Because we were full even when it got messy. You could tell it was good because it got messy. Messy. In church, the table of the Lord is not a tidy place because we come in here with all of our mess, with all of our brokenness, with all of our differences, with all of our struggles, and we say, can we eat at his table even though it's going to look like a mess? The table is... I didn't mean to yell at you. <laughs> two or three times, if you're here, don't be embarrassed by this, but two or three times ago when I was here, a lady came up to me after her, She says, the yelling is interesting, <laughs> but I do love your content. I'm like, that's fine. Just get past the, the loud. Just get to the content, right? So if you're here, dear heart, I'm not making fun of you, but I kind of am. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I just love it. I love it. You know the difference between the north and the south? Y'all say stuff like that. <laughs> Down in the south, we go, golly, that was good preaching. <laughs> and then we walk off and go... God, I hope he never comes back, <laughs> right? That's what happens down there, right? Yeah. So to be in communion and fellowship means, oh, oh I'm sorry, this point I put here in the middle of my sermon and I, I know what I'm saying, so let me set it, let me go back and set it up, okay? When we come to the table, when you have like all of the variety of humans and brokenness and struggle and sin and all those things, When you come to the table of God, when you get in a community group, right? When you go all in here, you're risking something. And you're risking being seen. You're risking people knowing you. And can I tell you, when God came to Adam and Eve in the garden, they went and hid themselves because they said, we knew we were naked there is a fear in being seen when people can see all the parts of you. Do you get the parallel there? And but the beautiful part is that God looks at them and he says, "Who told you you were naked?" You know what God was saying? Who told you to be ashamed of what I created? Who told you that you were busted, broken and disgusted? What voice of shame made you believe that you were less than my creation? So when we show up to the table, it is a risk. It is a risk of people seeing something in you that you may be ashamed of. But here's what I can tell you. There is no healing without risk and vulnerability. There is no healing. Because this is a hard one for us, right? I haven't kept up with the time, my apologies. I don't know where we're at. This is a hard one because Jesus' followers aren't supposed to betray, lie, and hurt others, but we do. And maybe you're the one who has betrayed. Maybe you're the one who feels abandoned, maybe even lied to and been hurt. But here's what I do know about our faith. And I'll leave us on this note here. George Woodruff says this, The test of Christianity is not loving Jesus, it's loving Judas. Can people come to our table when we know they could be Judas? Can people come to our table when they're the shady one? Can people come to our table when they are the controversial one? Can people come to our table when they don't look and behave a certain way? Can people come to the table and be different? The table gives us a glimpse of radical grace, love, and acceptance of Jesus. And instead of shunning Jesus, watch this, instead of shunning Judas, Jesus still had fellowship with him. He still ate the bread. Judas still participated in eating the bread and drinking the wine. And when it came time for Judas to betray Jesus, if you read the story, this, this is the part that messes with me the most. When it came time for Judas to do what he did, Jesus didn't say, why are you doing this to me? I have done this, 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 and this for you. You've seen me do miracles. You've seen all the things I've done. I have raised the dead in front of you. Instead, Jesus looks at this man who's going to betray him deeply and here's what he says to him. Hey, bro, whatever you need to do, go do it. We don't have malice written into the passage or anything. You gotta do what you gotta do. Even in betrayal, Jesus answered with a soft, kind, loving reply. I personally have so much to learn from Jesus. Again, it doesn't mean as Christians we don't change. But how many knows we've all changed when we've decided to? The gospel pricked our heart and it may have taken months for us to work it out. But here's what I do know if we keep pulling chairs away from the table, and I don't think we have that problem around here, thankfully, when we pull chairs away from the table, we remove the opportunity for change to really happen in people's lives. We may not do it as a church, but even in our families, are we widening the table? In our careers, are we widening the table? And today, you may be feeling like the table is off limits to you. You may feel like that you don't even belong at the table of the Lord. You may feel like the outcast. And it could be because of another Christian. It could be just because it may be something you heard that may not be true about faith. I don't know why this just jumped up in my heart, but I'm going to say it like this. Tulian Chavijan says it like this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So today I'm simply saying to you, the gospel is saying to you, the table is big enough for you. You don't need Jesus plus walking an aisle. You don't need Jesus plus praying a prayer a certain way. You don't need Jesus plus this, Jesus plus that. All we need is Jesus. He alone is enough. And his table is spread wide for you today. Amen. The psalmist David would ask, In Psalm 78, verse 19, can God spread a table in the wilderness? And I'm gonna tell you today, your life may look like a wilderness, but the table is spread wide. The invitation is perpetual. It's forever standing. And even today, we're gonna partake of the elements of communion. So Pastor Kyle is gonna come and lead us in actually taking the meal that heals that heals our soul, that brings us into fellowship even deeper. Let's pray together and Pastor Kyle will come to lead us in communion today. Jesus, we thank you that your table is big enough. That your table says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Thank you for your table, Lord, and the invitation that is forever. And everyone say amen.